0: a chancy job and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely
1: come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West a land of legend of romance of friendship and courage a motherlode of remembrance a true showcase of the old west with the old cowboy J.C. Hulsey being a fledgling company, this old cowboy is always looking for a way to save money. Free is one of my favorite words. And as you know, there ain't a whole lot of that hanging around. So what's the next best thing to free? Cheap, right? You betcha. You. Cheap is good too. Well, I just met a young man that I'm going to tell you about. Now, he ain't free. And some might not consider him cheap. But the thing I like about him is his honesty, his trustworthiness, His loyalty, and he's extremely easy to work with. He goes the second mile, so to speak. Let me give you an example of what just happened. I told him I needed a job done, and I'd pay $25. Now, that's just an example. He told me to do that job for $20. Now, that made this old cowboy feel good. Not many folks are willing to help the other person like that. They're only interested in how much money they're going to get. Let me say one other thing. When I use the word cheap, I in no way meant to imply that his work is cheap looking. It's top-notch work at a reasonable price, folks. The bottom line on what I've just shared with you is I, as an individual, and as the owner of Outlaws Publishing, highly recommend this young man for any web-based work you might need done. His website is http colon front slash front slash vwsols.com. Or you can drop him an email, wvsols at gmail.com. Check him out, folks. I know you're going to be satisfied with his work. I think it's time we listen to a little cowboy poetry. This is Greg Patton reciting one of his poems. It's called Redheaded Cowgirl.
2: Redheaded Cowgirl. Looking across the corral at the redheaded beauty, he'd seen her here before, and she had never acted snooty. Those freckles across her nose, above her smiling face, those green eyes took up the rest of the space. Every time he saw her, it made him feel good. Something about that cowgirl and her womanhood. He was shy and he didn't want to get shot down, but finally he asked her if he could take her to town. There was a dance that coming Saturday night, and they went together. He was all grins, and it turned out better than they thought it might. She had been watching him while he had been watching her, and so they started seeing each other and true love did occur. They got hitched and all their friends were invited, that red-headed cowgirl and that cowboy both very excited. It wasn't long and kids were running about, a cute little redhead girl, and a boy big and stout. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Greg. That was a good one. Black powder, usually known as gunpowder, was the first chemical explosive. Its development can be traced to Chinese alchemists in the 8th century. It remained the main explosive worldwide until the 19th century. Another explosive was liquid nitroglycerin, which was invented in 1846. It was used widely in the 19th century for blasting operations in the oil and mining industries and also in railroad construction. Then Albert Noble invented something called dynamite. Dynamite made of nitroglycerin, sorbents such as powdered shells or clay, and stabilizers. It was invented in 1867, and it rapidly gained wide-scale use as a safer alternative to gunpowder or black powder and nitroglycerin. Noble originally sold dynamite as Noble's blasting powder, but decided to change the name to dynamite from the ancient Greek word meaning power. I can't pronounce that great word, folks. Alfred Noble's father built bridges and buildings in Stockholm, Sweden. His construction work inspired him to research new methods of blasting away the rock. His work with explosives later inspired his son Alfred to make explosives safer and more effective. Dynamite is usually sold in the form of a cardboard cylinder about 8 inches long and about 1 and a quarter inches in diameter with a weight of about a half a pound. A stick of dynamite produces roughly 1 megajoule of energy. One megajoule is equal to the energy of one ton moving at 100 miles per hour. The maximum shelf life of nitroglycerin-based dynamite is recommended as one year from the date of manufacture under good storage conditions. I reckon what we need to learn about this is don't mess with something that you ain't qualified to use. I think it's time for a country song. This is Jake Elwood singing, If I Die.
0: If I die upon a mountain, there be no need to bury me. But if I die upon the prairie, don't be afraid to keep some dirt on me. If I die in California, just lay my bones where I can rest. And if I die on down in Nashville, just tell them all I did my if I die in some City, oh dear Lord, don't leave me be. But if I die up in old Montana, don't you weep, no don't you weep for me. down in Nashville. Just tell them all. I did my best. But if I die, it's damn City. Oh dear Lord, don't leave me. But if I die, Up in old Montana, don't you weep. No, don't you weep for me. No, don't you weep, for I will be in peace.
1: Thanks so much, Jake. That was a great song. Now let's visit with our guest. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, the poetry man, Michael Gassaway. Welcome, Mr. Gassaway.
3: It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much.
1: Did I pronounce your name right? Yes, you did. Okay. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you were born, where you grew up, and where you're living now.
3: Well, I was born in North Carolina, and then I traveled all over the countryside and many parts of the world, uh, served some time in the Marine Corps. And as the back of my book says, you know, I'm a widower with five grown successful sons, cowboy Christian gentleman. I don't know. I, you know, when you talk to my friends, the words that they came up with was warrior, philosopher, poet, adventurer, you know, a true friend, you know, and I always believe in doing the right thing for the right reasons.
1: Sure. How do you feel about being described like this by your friends as a warrior and a philosopher and poet, so forth? How does that make you feel?
3: Well, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you get people to ask, them, I need this for my book, give me some descriptive terms, and these are the ones that came back, and I went, okay. hmm, okay. <laughs> you know, as a friend of mine I wanted to know how I went from mercenary to missionary. Yeah. So I, said, I said, that's a whole other
1: book I'll have to write. There up. you go. How long were you in the Marines?
3: I've been in the Marines for four years. Four years? Okay. Yeah, I always tell people my dad served 22, and I served four, so I figured I have a long enough career.
1: That is long enough, yes. <laughs> okay. You're a winner. You have five grown children. How many grandchildren you have? Two. Two? Three, four. Four. I'm sorry. Four? One is a uh, basketball
3: coach, one's a state championship baseball coach. One is a a state championship football coach, so he just flashes his ring and says that's it. You know, there's no more comparisons here. Mm. And uh, one has his own landscape company. My youngest son I lost about six years ago.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so does any of them write poetry?
3: No, um, none of them have. The youngest one did. Um, He wrote some. All right. But it basically came about, About 10 years ago, where I went through a five year spell where I lost my wife, lost my father, um, had some financial difficulties, um, lost my youngest son, and lost a fiance.
1: Just
3: year after year after year. And so that's, I guess, where the writing started.
1: Did you feel like the writing helped you get through that? Yeah, it really did. Uh, just writing about
3: different things. Uh, as I tell people, all my books are works of fiction, but uh, some of them may be more based on me than I'll be willing to admit. Mm-hmm. But you got to guess which one it is.
1: You dress like a cowboy. Do you live the life of a cowboy?
3: Well, I did. I had a small place down in South Texas, and we had some horses. It was really great. The boys loved it. It was a great place, a great environment to raise them up. Then I left. We're going through all that turmoil and everything. My youngest son and I decided we needed a change of venue. Mm-hmm. and So we went to Tennessee for a couple of years and then went back to Texas. And right now I'm in Georgia. I've got a book signing in a couple of weeks.
0: Okay. And
3: uh, doing some things here. Then I'll be heading back out to Texas after that to do some book signings.
1: That's great. What part of Texas? around the Dallas area,
3: and okay. then I've got some up in Oklahoma. Uh,
1: what date in the Dallas area? You know, I'm, I'm 30 miles south of Dallas. Okay, I'll have to look at that.
3: Maybe we can get together
1: and do something. Sure, sounds good.
3: I lived in Fort Worth for a number of years. I'm
1: pretty familiar with that area. Well, you know, Texas misses you. You know that, don't you?
3: (laughs) Well, I can't. Matter of fact, I've got a poem I wrote about Texas.
1: In fact, uh, when I went to Louisiana for a book signing, when I crossed back over the state line, I got sick. I think Texas was mad at me for leaving. How long have you been writing poetry?
3: Just about 10 years after when everything started uh, going south. Yeah. That just kind of helped me get through things. I just started writing about my feelings, what I was dealing with. Then I would be talking to other people, what they went through. Uh-huh. And a friend of mine said, you should be a career coach now. You've been through so much. There's, you know, really nothing that somebody could talk about that you haven't been there.
2: Yeah.
3: And I, you know, I said, yeah, my minister that I've known for years, he said, Michael, this is, I consider myself a very close man of God. And he said, I'm not sure. I would still be vertical if I dealt. It had to deal with everything you'd gone through. Mm. And I said, well, you know, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know, you get thrown, you get back on the horse and ride. That's true. And that's what you just keep on
1: doing. So you didn't write any portrait at all before that? No.
3: It all, it all kind of started in. And I, I had my own way that I wanted to do things, and uh, I had an idea of, doing some poetry and putting some pictures together mm-hmm. that just kind of seemed cost prohibitive when i kind of looked into it so i just kind of put it on the shelf and said well maybe one of these days
1: you said you lived on a, a place here in in texas was that how you made your living or did you do something else
3: actually i uh, had a uh, budget car and truck rental franchise Oh, okay i had a vending company i had a uh horse trailer and other types of trailer sales. I had uh, one in uh, Rio Grande Valley and one up in uh, Granbury. And I had a and gymnastics co- uh, company and um, a car sales operation.
1: Boy, did you, did you have a hard time deciding on one thing?
3: Well, you know, it, it kind of came about where I decided that I wanted to buy a horse trailer one day. Mm-hmm. So I go into the local guy, and uh, and I'm standing there, you know, and he's standing there talking to a young lady, drinking a cup of coffee, and hardly even acknowledges it. It finally gets done, so I can help you. And I said, yeah, there's a three-horse line out here I'd like to buy. Well, you think bells and Russell would go off if somebody says they want to buy. He says, well, give me the number, and uh, I'll let you know the price on it. I'm thinking to myself, it's 100 degrees out here. <laughs> well, I said, okay, I'll play this game a little bit longer. So I walked out there and got the number, came back in, and he gave me the price, and I said, you know, I just came back from the stock show in Houston and San Antonio, and I know you got room to move, so let's let's cut a deal here. He goes, well, I suggest you get back in your truck and drive back to San Antonio, Houston, but you can get a better deal. I'm like, what's my – you did not just tell me that. So I was talking to my banker later on, and he says, yeah, they're the only game in town. Unless you want to drive, you know, four or five hours, that's pretty much what you're going to pay. I said, well, that's just no way to do with people. Uh-uh. If well, you want to put something together and put them out the a business. So I did. And so we started our own trailer company. And, uh, you know, first thing I told my people was make sure you acknowledge those people when they come on the lot. Don't stand around them. Give them room. But at least say hi to them. Sure. Help them out. Be friendly. Because I don't want anybody to ever be treated like I was just treated by those guys. And the vending company came about where I had uh, two sons at the Marine Military Academy in Harlingen. And um, same thing there. Uh, the general asked me if, he could, if I could help him out. And, oh, well, by the way, my son wanted to go to that school. It was not something they were punished. <laughs> they okay. wanted to go there. All right. And it, it, and it is a great school. Yeah. Anyway, the general asked me if he could get some help. He said uh, the vending machines are out every Monday, and they don't fill until Friday.
2: Mm. So that's a, you
3: know, binder, you know. So I called up the vendor, and uh, they said, uh, well, that's a once a week route. That's all we can do. So I went all the way to Atlanta talking to people and didn't get any service. So I called up their competitor, and I said, what do I have to do? And they said, well, you know, for that many people in a confined area, it's, you know, whatever you need. So I created a vending company and uh, set in snack machines and uh, drink machines and went from there. So... Basically, it was just filling needs. There were needs that people had, and you just find a way to fill them.
1: Sounds like you thought it all through and got it done. How long does it take you to write a poem?
3: It depends. Some I can write in minutes. Some take days. For the most part, an idea will come into my head, and I'll just sit down and start writing. I carry a pocket pad with me. I have one everywhere, so it's always within reach, and I carry a a recorder in the truck when I'm driving. Uh-huh. So if I, because I learned a long time ago, I'm not going to remember. <laughs> and if anybody that tells you, I'll remember uh, that. You're uh, not going to. No, I know that very well. So I've learned the hard way. But i would sat down and uh, just written them in a matter of minutes.
2: Uh-huh. And
3: the other ones have taken a little bit longer. One of the most favorites that I get when I publish it on Facebook is called Cowgirl. Uh I wrote that after hearing George Strait's song, How About Them Cowgirls, the first time. Yeah. And I thought he had kind of left out some things, so I decided to write my own version.
1: So you got inspiration from a George Strait song. Where where do you get your other inspiration?
3: A lot of times people tell me about their lives and knowing what I've dealt with and... uh so a lot of them come from that. Different stories people have told me about what they've dealt with or asked me questions on how they should deal with something or what do I recommend. So that kind of leads me to you know, a poem that I'll write. And I always say that you know, I'm not a, a poet so much as I write stories of human life written in mine.
1: Did you go to the movies when you was a kid?
3: Yes, I did, and you know, I was uh, I loved Western movies, and uh, and I think the Western Channel is one of the best things going right now.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you wanted to be a cowboy even back then, right? Oh yeah, I remember we lived out in California.
3: My dad was stationed out there, and we would drive across country, and we'd always go through Texas. And I'd always say, I'm going to be here one day.
1: You know, it took me a
3: long time, but I got there.
1: Did you have a favorite movie hero? Oh, John Wayne. John Wayne. Can't beat John, can (laughs) you? You say you watch the Western Channel. Do you have a favorite TV show?
3: I like historical information, things like that.
1: Has there been a special person in your life that that has inspired you more than anybody else? Oh, there's just so many that I've been inspired
3: by over the years. Mm -hmm. Coaches, when I played football, teachers, people I served with in the service. If you're open and are willing to listen, you can pick up something from almost any intelligent person. And be willing to learn from those things. I think too many youngsters today think they know it all, and they don't want to learn. If you just listen to people, what they have to say, especially from the older folks, I'm one of those now. Uh So uh, You just got to take in what people are willing to say. So many times, we let things pass by. Then we find ourselves in a situation where we don't know how to deal with them anymore because people have forgot.
1: You mentioned you got a book signing to go to. Uh, Do you handle your own marketing? Yes, I do.
3: You know, I thought writing the book was going to be the difficult part. (laughs) That was by far the easiest part. Yes. Marketing it and setting up dates and things like that is by far the most difficult part.
1: And you do all that yourself. Yes, I do. Do you have any advice for anybody that wants to be a author? Write what you feel. And
3: just keep writing. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. I think I've written one poem out of the hundreds and hundreds I've written that I wrote from beginning to the end and made no changes.
1: Okay. But you you know, write what you feel.
3: Write what you like, what you believe in. And just keep working at it.
1: Are you working on anything right now?
3: I actually have my third book of poems. Um, that will be coming out later this year. All right. And I have a daily devotional that I'm working on. Uh-huh. And I'm ghostwriting a book for somebody else. And I have two business books that I'm working on.
1: Busy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah,
3: when the party's not working, i go over to the other one. If that's not working, I'll go over to the other one because they're all different.
1: I understand, so it's, yes.
3: It's a case where you could just change genres, if you will, and keep writing, <laughs> keep doing things.
1: You mentioned that John Wayne was your favorite movie star. Can you re, do? You have a favorite line that John Wayne said that you can remember?
3: Well, let me tell you, pilgrim. I can quote a lot of John Wayne.
1: That's get me started. Uh, that sounds good. <laughs> we may we may have to interview John Wayne one of these days. <laughs> what was your favorite treat as a kid? Candy, cake, something like that. Pie. Pie. What kind of pie? Blackberry. Blackberry. What's your favorite treat today? Pie. Pie? (laughs) Blackberry?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you just can't get it. You know, I mean, uh, there's not too many places you can get it unless you're up in the northwest somewhere. Right.
1: Okay, how can folks get in touch with you? I know you're on Facebook. Are you on Twitter? No.
3: My name may be on there, but I I really haven't gotten into the Twitter thing yet. Okay. I have two pages on Facebook. I have my personal page, and I have a Poetry Man page.
1: You want to recite one of your poems for me? Sure. I'll do the cowgirl one.
3: All right. Cowgirl. Horse lover, roper, or barrel racer, all of these and more she's been called. But cowgirl is the term she likes best of all. It describes her right down to a teen, you see, in her early childhood memories. It's what she's always wanted to be. From her stetson down to her boots and spurs. Oh, how she looks the park. But the real cowgirl spirit lies deep within her heart. Being a cowgirl is not just about how she may dress and talk. A real cowgirl not only talks the talk, but she walks the walk. Cowgirl is an attitude that comes deep in her heart within. To her, it's a way of living life from the beginning to the very end. She can be tough and gentle, sexy and wild, sweet and kind. Sometimes she'll swear she has just lost her mind. Our cowgirl has a mind of her own, you see, and it most often will be a mystery and will just seem to confound you and me. So never try to change her or fence her in. And if you ever make her a promise, you better keep it, my friend. And she may not remember, but she will never forget. And in the end, may leave you with heartache and regret. She may have the charms of a southern belle, but when the time comes, she can be hard as nails. From cleaning stalls to riding all day, when this cowgirl dresses up for a night with her man, she'll leave him breathless with nothing to say. She doesn't need a man to make her feel right, but she sure does miss one on some of those cold and lonesome nights. Alone with just her dog and horse she'd rather stay than to live with a man who doesn't understand her grow away. In her mind, it's not too hard to comprehend. She just wants a man to love her unconditionally and be her best and trusted friend. A friend and lover by both night and day, and they'll always stand by her side, no matter what life may throw their way. Yes, a cowgirl is a very special woman in this world of strife, and if you're lucky enough to find one, hang on to her as you're in for the ride of your life. Thank God for all you cowgirls out there. Don't ever change your way. Sit deep in the saddle. uphold a lot of trains, and be proud of being a cowgirl each and every day.
1: That's great. How long did it take you to ride Ted? Um, One sitting. One sitting. How many times do you have to fix it? That
3: was that, one of those that just yeah. kind of flowed. And anytime I post it, I always get lots of comments from people. This is another one that is really popular. Okay. Good ride, cowboy. Good ride. Life is a lot like a rodeo, some old cowboys say. You nod your head, the gate opens, and you're on your way. As in life, you never know what bronc you may draw. You just cowboy up each time and give it your all. You never know which way the block may turn. whatever move it makes, another life lesson you learned. You just have to hang on tight, convey your spurs in. Now's not the time to think about quitting. Like the devil, he will throw you to the ground, but you know if you hang on, you'll hear that eight second buzzer sound. He'll try every trick that he can to throw you to the side. Just hang in by your reins and enjoy the ride. Like life, you never know how the ride might end. This could be the time that the gold buckle, you finally win. The ride sometimes seems to go on forever as you're jerked all about. He knows now is not the time to have any stuffed out. Somewhere in the distance, you hear the crowd start to cheer. It's like a heavenly sound in your ear. Can you know the end of the ride? is almost here. The buzzer sounds and the ride is at its end. The picket man is there to get you, just like a trusty friend. Yes, life's a lot like a rodeo, although cowboys had some great insight. You just have to hang on, enjoy the ride, and always do what's right. So when your ride is over and you breathe your last sigh, then you'll hear in the distance God say, Good ride, cowboy. Good ride.
1: Another great one. Have you written any bad ones?
3: Yeah, yeah. I wrote one about myself and a friend of mine said she hated it.
1: Yeah, okay. (laughs) We want to thank you, Michael, for being a guest on the Wild West Showdown today and I want to give you an invitation from the old cowboy to the old poet. You come back anytime and visit.
3: Well, sounds great and thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: Okay, we'll talk to you later then, okay? Okay, sounds good. My trusty sidekick, GPS, and me arrived in Denison around 230 we went to meet James, the man in charge of the event. After showing me around a little bit, I decided to find a place to get me a hamburger. James had told me there's a waterburger close by, so I got in my truck and I started driving. I saw a couple of eating places, but no waterburger. I finally settled on a jack-in-the-box. They serve hamburgers, right? Wrong. The young man behind the counter didn't know what I was asking for. No, I told him I don't want one of them fancy sourdough thingamajigs. I just want a hamburger. He was confused. Finally, I gave up. I turned around and walked out. Start searching for a water burger again. I spotted a Taco Bell. Okay, they don't have hamburgers, but I can settle for a couple of tacos. I stood waiting to be waited on, and finally this young lady took my order and took my money. I walked over to the condiment stand to get a napkin and some hot sauce. There was only two hot sauces in the bottom. There was no napkins. I looked around and the place was filthy. I finally located two more packs of hot sauce, extra, extra hot, which I don't really like, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. I watched as the folks behind the counter were very busy fixing eats for the drive-in folks while they were letting the customers inside the store wait. I stood watching all this activity for about 20 minutes or so, then decided I didn't want to spend any more of my time waiting. So I walked calmly up to the counter and asked for a refund. I then got back in my truck and pulled out my phone. I asked my phone to find me a Whataburger. It seems I'd driven past it three times and just didn't see it. Well I got in the parking lot, went inside, and ordered a hamburger. A real hamburger, folks. I got me a root beer, and I had barely settled into the booth when the young lady came up with my hamburger and fries. Now, that's what I remember about fast food. And let me tell you this, folks. It was worth all the trouble I went to. That was the biggest and best hamburger I've had in a long time. Now, here it is the next morning, and I'm back in Denison for the big event. Of course, I'm early. It's a habit of mine. I've always been early, no matter what it is or where I'm going. I like to be early. Well, while I'm waiting, I decide to go and fill up my trusty old Dodge with gas. I purposely didn't fill up when I left home this morning because I saw when I was here yesterday, gas was 10 cents cheaper. Well, I found me a gas station, and I pulled in there, and the pump said I could either pay inside or pay at the pump. Well, you know, of course I want to pay at the pump so I don't have to go inside. I slipped my credit card in there, and it seemed like it took forever for it to okay while the gas was pumping, I went inside to the little boy's room. I come back out, and it was still pumping. I finished it off. Then it asked, "Do I want a receipt?" Of course, I want a receipt. That's why I paid at the pump. Well, I hit the button, and said, "Yes, I want a receipt," and the pump did this and it did that. It, it seemed like it took forever. The clerk has your receipt inside. <laughs> well, I went inside. Of course, this old cowboy he can't let things rest and just ask for receipt. I told a young lady behind the counter this kind of defeats the purpose of paying at the pump if I got to come in here for a receipt. Well, I don't think she understood what I said. But anyway, I got my gas and I went back and waited until the people showed up for the event. I'll tell you about the event at another time. I did have a good time once it got started. How was your day? We want to give a big old Texas thanks to Jake L. Wood for his song and thanks to Greg Patton for sharing his portrait with us. And let's not forget the poetry man, Michael Gassaway, for visiting and sharing his poems with us. And please remember to check out our newest friend, Vivid Web Solutions, at http colon front slash front slash vwsols.com or drop them an email at vwsols at gmail.com. Now all you cowboys and cowgirls gather around for some cowboy wisdom. Always take a good look at what you're about to eat. It's not so important to know what it is, but it sure is crucial to know what it was. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown
2: with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.